Good morning, and thank you for joining us on 5 at 8. It's Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we'll talk about how human activity has caused at least half of climate change in the last half century. The creation of the environmentally friendly Pegasus Concept Superyacht. Polish farmers blocking Ukraine's western border. The arrest of a woman with dual Russian and U.S. nationality in Russia. And Australia's plans to build its largest navy since World War II. Story number one. In a report from CNN, human activity has caused at least half of climate change in the last half century. Scientists are 95% certain of this, the surest they've ever been. The report predicts more extreme weather patterns and consequences if greenhouse gas emissions continue to rise. The report aims to guide policymakers on environmental decisions. Would you look at that, Linda? The UN reports out and it's staking a 95% certainty that we're the culprits behind at least half of the climate change in the last 50 years. I got to say, it's like watching a horror movie where we're both the victims and the villain. Indeed. It's a stark warning, and the language used is notably stronger than in previous reports. Remember in the 80s when scientists warned us about the depleting ozone layer? It was the same kind of urgency, and we managed to come together globally to address it. It's interesting to see how these moments of crisis can drive international cooperation. That's a solid point, Linda. But you know, what's getting my goat here is the role of skepticism in all this. I mean, even with 95% certainty, there are still folks out there who'll shrug this off, say it's a hoax or an exaggeration. It's like arguing with a flat earther at times. Well, Mark, as much as we might find it frustrating, skepticism plays a vital role in the scientific process. The key, however, lies in ensuring that it doesn't obstruct the necessary action. On another note, this report is going to put a lot of pressure on policymakers. The summary for policymakers included in the report is particularly important, as it guides the decisions that could shape our environment in the coming years. Ah, you hit the nail on the head there, Linda. The tricky part's going to be finding a balance, right? We need to keep the wheels of industry turning while ensuring we don't burn the planet to a crisp. It's like walking a tightrope. And it's not just about the environment. The economic implications are vast. Remember the wildfires, the floods, the hurricanes? They all have a cost, and it's not just in human lives. We're talking about billions in damages and disruptions to supply chains. The cost of inaction, as the report suggests, could be far greater than the cost of action. Well, Linda, it's going to be a bumpy ride. But hey, I can't help but be hopeful. If we can put a man on the moon, surely we can pull together and fix this, right? I hope so too, Mark. It's a massive challenge, but it's also an opportunity for innovation and growth. It's up to us and our leaders to seize it. Story number two. In a report from CNN, designer Joseph Farrakis has created the Pegasus Concept, a 3D-printed superyacht that aims to be environmentally friendly and virtually invisible. The vessel will feature wings with mirrored glass, solar panels, and hydrogen extraction technology to produce zero emissions. With amenities like a pool club, beach club, and a hydroponic garden, the Pegasus Concept hopes to become a reality by 2030. Is this the future we're looking at, Linda? Super yachts that disappear into the background, not just visually, but environmentally as well. This Pegasus concept is truly remarkable. It's a stunning example of how innovative technology and design can work in harmony with the environment. The use of solar panels and hydrogen as a source of power is particularly impressive. It's a significant step towards carbon neutrality. It's not just about being eco-friendly, but also about efficiency. 
The fact that they're using 3D robotic printing for construction, it's going to save a lot of energy, materials, and time. That's a win-win in my book. And what about the tree of life inside the yacht serving as a hydroponic garden providing fresh food and air purification? That's... It's just a fantastic integration of nature within the machine, isn't it? Yeah, it's like bringing a piece of land onto the sea. But you know what's got me excited, Linda? It's this whole concept of science fact, not fiction. It's incredible to see how what once seemed like a sci-fi dream is now becoming a reality. We have the technology to create such innovative concepts, but it's crucial to remember that further evolution and responsible application are needed. Couldn't agree more, Linda. And it's not just about the maritime industry. It echoes across all sectors, from automotive to aerospace. We're seeing a shift in dynamics here, from competing with nature to living in harmony. And that's the key, isn't it, Mark? Coexistence rather than competition. This shift in mindset could be the turning point in our fight against climate change. Story number three. Polish farmers blocked Ukraine's western border in protest of an influx of Ukrainian products, causing disruption to transportation and trade, as reported by the New York Times. This led to a counter-protest in Ukraine, with concerns raised about the impact on the economy and the ability to resist Russian aggression. Similar protests by farmers in Europe have highlighted issues with EU regulations and imports affecting their livelihoods. Have you seen this, Linda? This situation between the Polish farmers and Ukrainian exporters is a clear demonstration of the workings of a free market. The farmers are concerned about the influx of Ukrainian products because they're more affordable, which makes them more appealing to consumers. It's competition, plain and simple. I see where you're coming from, Mark, but you're glossing over the impact on the farmer's livelihood. These are real people whose lives are being upended by changes they have little control over. It's not just about the free market and competition. It's about fairness and social justice. Well, Linda, I feel for the farmers. I really do. But protectionism isn't the answer. It stifles innovation and growth. If the Polish farmers can't compete, maybe they need to find ways to improve their operations or diversify their products. In the end, the consumers should have the right to choose the products they want. I understand your point, Mark. But there are larger implications here, too. These protests are affecting the supply chain, causing shortages in Ukraine which are even impacting soldiers on the battlefield. It's not just a domestic issue, it's a geopolitical one. And we can't ignore the fact that these farmers feel left behind by the EU regulations and the influx of imports. It's a complex issue that requires thoughtful solutions, not just telling the farmers to get with the times. Sure, it's complex, Linda. But if we start putting up barriers to trade, we risk escalating the situation and causing more harm than good. And let's not forget, these trade disputes can have long-term effects on relations between countries. And at this point in time, we need unity more than ever, especially in that region. I agree with you on the importance of unity, Mark, but I think we also need to prioritize equitable solutions. These farmers' protests are a call for help, a sign that they're struggling to keep up with the changes. Instead of pushing them to compete in an already saturated market, perhaps we should be exploring ways to support them, while also maintaining healthy trade relations. Story number four. A woman with dual Russian and U.S. nationality has been arrested in Russia for raising funds for Ukraine, benefiting the Ukrainian armed forces. She is accused of committing treason by providing financial assistance to a foreign state against Russia's security. The woman was involved in collecting money for a Ukrainian organization since February 2022. 
Treason in Russia carries a punishment of up to 20 years in prison. This arrest comes amidst other cases of U.S. nationals being imprisoned in Russia, including a journalist and a former Marine. Russia has expressed openness to a prisoner swap for the journalist as a gesture of goodwill, as reported by Al Jazeera. How about that news of the dual U.S.-Russian citizen being arrested for treason in Russia, Linda? It seems she was raising funds that benefited the Ukrainian armed forces. Now, treason is a pretty hefty charge, isn't it? It certainly is, Mark. And you're right. The charge is severe. Treason, in most legal contexts, involves betraying one's country, usually by aiding its enemies or attempting to overthrow the government. In this case, Russia considers the woman's financial support to Ukraine as an act against its security. Interesting. And this isn't the first instance of foreign nationals being charged in Russia, right? I remember hearing about Evan Gershkovich, the journalist from the Wall Street Journal, and Alsu Kurmasheva, another Russian-American journalist. They're both in prison on charges of espionage and spreading false information, respectively. Yes, that's correct. And these cases, including the recent arrest of the dual U.S.-Russian citizen, raise many concerns about the protection of human rights, particularly freedom of speech and the right to a fair trial. In these situations, it's crucial to consider the international norms and how they apply. Well, I guess it's also important to remember the context, right? We're in the midst of a geopolitical conflict, and things can get, well, complicated. But Linda, let's talk about this idea of a prisoner swap. Sounds like a high-stakes chess game to me. It can certainly feel that way, Mark. Prisoner exchanges are often used as a tool in geopolitical strategies. They are sometimes seen as a gesture of goodwill or a way to de-escalate tensions, as Russian President Vladimir Putin stated. However, they're also a stark reminder of the human cost of these conflicts. Yeah, it's definitely a complex situation. Well, let's hope for a peaceful resolution soon. Thanks for shedding light on all this, Linda. Of course, Mark. It's important to discuss these issues openly, and like you said, let's hope for peace. Story number five. Australia has announced plans to build its largest navy since World War II, allocating over $35 billion for the defense project over the next decade. The move is seen as a response to heightened tensions with China in the Indo-Pacific region. The plan includes boosting the fleet with destroyers, frigates, and large, optionally crewed surface vessels. The buildup also involves constructing nuclear-powered submarines under the AUKUS Pact with the U.S. and U.K. The government aims to address the aging fleet and improve capabilities to meet evolving strategic challenges. The plan is expected to create thousands of jobs in the shipbuilding industry. Opposition criticism has been raised over the timeline and crewing challenges for the expanded fleet. According to CNN, this significant development in Australia's defense strategy has garnered attention worldwide. Where there's smoke, there's usually fire, Linda. It seems like Australia is ramping up its naval power in response to the growing tensions in the Indo-Pacific. What's your take on this? Well, Mark, it's certainly a significant strategic decision, reflecting the shifting power dynamics in this region. Increasing naval presence is one way to respond to potential threats, particularly considering China's increasing naval capabilities and territorial claims. This is not unlike the arms race we saw during the Cold War era, where military strength was seen as a deterrent to potential adversaries. Spot on, Linda. But there's another side to this coin, and I'm wondering, could this kind of military buildup actually fan the flames of tension instead of cooling things down? That's a valid point, Mark. 
There's always a risk that an aggressive defense strategy can be seen as a provocation, which may escalate tensions rather than deter potential conflicts. It's a delicate balance to strike. Makes sense. And looking at the home front, there's also the economic angle to consider. A $35 billion defense project is quite a boost to the domestic economy, especially for the shipbuilding industry. It's projected to create 3,700 jobs in the next 10 years, which is significant. But as with any large-scale project, it's not without criticism. Opposition parties are questioning the timeline and the potential logistical challenges, such as ensuring sufficient crew for the expanded fleet. And I guess those are valid concerns, too. It's a complex issue, no doubt. What's clear is that these geopolitical maneuvers and their implications are something we'll have to keep a close eye on. It's a rapidly evolving situation, and it will be interesting to see how Australia's strategic decision plays out in the coming years. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.